Hi, this is Theo, and you are listening to a special edition of Between Two Trains. This week we bring you all the candidates for Shambly City Council. And now, Between Two Trains. Alright, we're here once again on Between Two Trains. My name is Van Pappas, and I got sitting down with me today Darren Cussman, who is the at-large representative for the city of Shambly, is up for re-election. Darren, welcome to the show. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me, Van. I appreciate it. So let's get a few things out of the way. I know you've been on council for four years now, so a full term. You're coming up on your second term, and you've lived in Shambly nine years. What brought you to Shambly? When you, nine years ago, when you said, hey, Atlanta's a big place, why Shambly? There's a lot of different reasons, but I think really it's probably what brought you here, too. It's great schools, great parks, great people. I mean, it's just an awesome place to live. There's so much going on. Uh, my wife lived here at the time, then my girlfriend, so lots of great reasons. So you came for a girl. Came for a girl, I guess you and you say it And way. you stayed. She kept me around. Yeah, she introduced a... me to the best part of the city. And so let's, let's tell our listeners what exactly, you know, council is a part-time job. You know, you have another job. What is your profession when you're not a city councilman? Yeah, absolutely. I run a financial investment firm and a recapitalization advisory business. And so you've got this full-time job. You said four years ago, I want to run for office. What prompted that decision to run for office four years ago? About seven years ago, I want to say maybe six, I was serving on our architectural review board and seeing a lot of what was happening and all of the exciting things coming through. I thought um, the council at the time was doing a great job, but there were some things that I thought we could maybe do a little bit differently. Um, and so I wanted to see those things happen. And I made a conscious decision to be a part of that movement. Well, let's change gears now for a second and talk about, you know, this is, you know, we interview business owners, so we're, and you know, I'm passionate about our business community. So let's talk a little bit about the business community and let's start off with a simple question of, do you think Shambly is business friendly? I think Shambly is business friendly, but I think at times it can be hard to navigate the waters. Explain that. What do you mean by navigating the waters? Like what? Give an example. I think it's gotten better, but permitting can be cumbersome. I think there's not a lot of understanding. And so one of the things that we've really been trying to do is clean up some of that. We've got the newsletter going out and actually getting folks to help walk people through the process because when entrepreneurs come in, they don't necessarily know where to go or they're not familiar with the process. So I think that historically we haven't necessarily done the best job facilitating that. And I think we're getting better and we'll continue to improve. So would that mean that you hope to, if you're reelected, to continue down that? Is that one of your things you want to focus on, is trying to make that process better? Absolutely, and even beyond that, to incorporate it into the physical environment. Well, we know you said you mentioned that you sat on ARB and you've seen, you you saw development, and obviously in the last four years we've seen a lot of development, and that's caused the valuations in our area for property uh, to go up and rents are rising. So, you know, now that that's creating a challenge for the mom and pops, you know, what do you think the city needs to do or, or focus on to try to help these businesses that have been here for a long time? They've been the backbone of our, of our community, and now they're finding themselves possibly getting priced out of the area. Is there anything that you think the city should be doing to help that? I think that's a very broad conversation. I'm assuming that you're referring more to the brick and mortar businesses that are here versus the new ones coming in. 
Um, and I, I think a big piece of that is making sure that they have a home in the city. You know, it might not be where they were. We can't dictate where development's going, per se. Um, but as, as things change, we can make sure that our businesses have a place to be. And um, it's something that we've talked about at length, we've worked on at length. I can go into examples, but I don't think we have probably the time here today to do so. So with all the commercial stuff that is getting developed, um, and you know, we're here at 3411 Coworking and right in the heart of stuff, um, there's definitely, wouldn't you agree, a problem with parking. We have limited parking in the area. Um, it's becoming a big deal. Um, what transportation alternatives do you see as the best solutions to solve that problem? I know we've gone through a transportation study and we've got that new plan. What do you think is the best solution to solve our parking problem? I think it takes collaboration and it's one of the things that we're focusing on now and frankly I think we're doing a pretty good job of focusing on. If we try and park every use that's here, we're gonna have excessive amounts of parking and there's no space for it. The value of real estate's too high. Um, but if we can look at uses as they're coming in and make them complementary, um, then we can share parking and we can eliminate some of that. And that's been a big focus of mine and a big focus of this council's and I know it's been a big focus of the DDA's as well. And I think that's probably the best path. We've also got the proximity to MARTA. We've got the TOD district to alleviate some of that. We've got the shuttle we're working on. Um, we've what's, what's your partnerships with Uber and Lyft and all of those for I was going to so. ask about Uber and Lyft. I believe uh, there is in the current transportation plan for drop spots for Uber. Is that right? Am I did I read that right in the in the plan or no? Oh, that's a that's a big big book. I believe so. Okay. I have the same understanding, but I'm not going to myself to that. Continuing with the transportation, what's your feeling on electric scooters? Should we have them? You know, there's been controversy in other parts of Atlanta that have tried the scooters and a lot of people well, hate them because they have died. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, they died over lighting and safety and lighting and safety for the people riding and the people who are walking. All of a sudden you got this person coming on a scooter and you're trying to walk on yeah, the sidewalk. By in, so sh do you think Shambly should implement a scooter situation or do we have any plans to do that? I think it's something that we need to legislate in terms of what that looks like. It's probably a broader public conversation, but at a minimum, I, you know, the thing that drives me absolutely crazy is the folks whizzing by you. So maybe we let them go in certain places like where we have the multi-use paths that are wider and there's room. Um, and then it's making sure that they don't sit on the sidewalk and fall over. So maybe there's docking stations or areas or things like that, or otherwise, um, you know, there's, um, there's some challenges and some fees or fines or whatever we may do if these companies aren't honoring it. But, what that looks like, I think, is a, is a much broader public conversation. They have a home. They're not going away. It's a matter of making sure that they're not dangerous and not there. If you go out to uh, California, you've got a lot of the boardwalks, and you'll see it's a eight, ten-foot-wide path, and they'll have four lanes, not two. They'll have you walking and you're running, biking, scootering, skateboarding. It was skateboarding and biking back in the day. I haven't been there since scooters. Uh, it, it's a model that works really, really well as long as folks are responsible about it. And some of it might be to, you know, to put something out there and try it and see what works. And it's something we can always revisit if we need to. Mm -hmm. Well, let, let's change gears and talk about housing. You know, since the recession in the metro area, Atlanta, we've seen, especially inside 285, house prices gone up, especially the last couple of three, four years, they've skyrocketed. And in Chambly, I see a, uh, a divide between a lot of these younger individuals who are coming to live to Chambly who are looking at the rising 
valuations as good for them because it's increasing their net worth. They, you know, they're just getting started out in life, and all of a sudden they go, "I'm worth you know a hundred thousand dollars more than I was when I bought my house just two years ago." As long as I don't spend it, <laughs> right? Um, but then you have the older populations, or even you know, I hate to say I'm old, but you know, I'm getting there. I've been in Chambly a man, long time. You're not old man, you're new. <laughs> um, who are struggling to stay, you know, and say, "Hey." I can't afford the rising taxation that I'm getting because my valuation, I'm, I don't want to go anywhere. Um, and, you know, what solutions do you think we should support to support the increasing property values, but also ensure that our seniors and people who are planning on staying a long time are not priced out? There are two different issues there, are three, I think, with, um, with how you voiced it at the end. One is the issue of taxation with seniors. And if you're looking at the issue of taxation, I think that the city's taking great steps to try and alleviate that as much as we can from having exemptions for seniors from certain taxes to increasing the homestead exemption to make sure that people can stay in their homes and that they're not taxed out. If you're talking about availability and the ability to move up, move down, I think that's a broader conversation and that's a conversation that really works more towards um, product as much as it does to price. If you look at price, we've got units coming on board or available anywhere from $200,000 to roughly a million dollars. Yeah. There's a little bit of a gap, <clears throat> excuse me, in that $700,000, $800,000 range, but I don't think anyone's crying about that. So if you look at the availability of housing, we do have a pretty broad availability. It's that ability to move back and forth. I think, I think we need to get creative. There are some awesome, awesome things um, that you can do and some things that I've seen done that integrate well with existing communities. A, an example I like to use is uh, Black Apple in Bentonville, Arkansas, which is a small cottage cluster, one to three bedroom units um, around a central courtyard. It's not the courtyard or cottage clusters you're seeing in some of our neighbors. It's a true cottage cluster where you're utilizing the existing streets for parking. Stuff like that integrates really well, and it's an awesome product. It lives well. It, there's a place for it in the community, and it's at a lower price point. I'd love to see us getting more product like that. Um, or what you're seeing in Portland. Portland did a great design study. There's, I want to say, five, six hundred different examples of what that can look like. I don't like all of them. But there's a lot of different things you can do to make sure that there is access to housing for um, for citizens. Now, I, I don't I, I hesitate to use the word affordable housing because I think it's misconstrued sometimes, and people think different things. Can you talk a second about you know your views on since we're talking about housing, and it sounds like you know that's in your range that you're talking about of different. Uh, levels, what are your views on, on housing and, and uh, affordable workforce type housing? Yeah, I think same thing. There's two conversations. There are a lot of people when they say affordable housing, they're really talking about housing affordability, which is that ability to move within a community and having access to housing. If you're talking true affordable housing, that's something that I've spent a lot of time on. There's federal programs, there's grants. I've actually got a meeting tomorrow to learn more about what we can do to lobby DCA to get more funding availability. But I, I think it's a multifaceted conversation, and as a city, we've got to determine what our priorities are. Is, are our priorities to have economic diversity? Is it to provide a labor force to support the small businesses? Um, is it just to make sure everyone has a home? Are we focused on displacement? What does that look like? They're all important, and you can't attack all of them. To me, right now, the single most important thing 
is to limit displacement. I think that's got to be the number one priority as it relates to affordable housing because those are folks that are active participants in our community and contribute to our community and are already here. We need to make sure that, that they're not as things change, going we're somewhere else. Away. Right. Um, you know, I think you could go back and forth on the other two and we could sit here and talk about it all day long. But same thing, it goes back to programs, it goes back to funding, it goes back to product. Um, we, apl we applied for the Georgia CHIP program. That was something that came out of a program that um, Councilman Mason and I took down in Savannah. Unfortunately, we, didn't, we weren't awarded that grant, but it opens up a lot of federal funds and public-private partnerships. Um, we worked with St. Vincent de Paul. We talked about Mercy, had them all engaged, ready to step up and, and speak through some of that. We also looked at a number of affordable projects, including a veterans housing project where you had gross rents of $250 a month, including all utilities, um, for a standalone. It was a small unit, but one bedroom unit with full bath and full kitchen and everything else. Um, and it was unique in that down there they put it on the side of a former homeless encampment and gave a lot of the folks there a home. And by doing so, the community really, really accepted and adopted it. Right? Everyone wants affordable housing. When you start talking to folks about what they look like, what that looks like, a lot of times people don't want it next to them. So how do you mitigate that, and how do you have those conversations? It's something that's close to my heart, and something that I've been very, very active in working towards. Let's talk about how that comes into my next question, which is, what you see if you're reelected? What you see as you mentioned that's affordable housing is close to your heart. But over the next four years, is that what you want to focus on? Or what, what do you want your next four years, if you're reelected, to, to, you know, your focus to be? I think it's the same thing it was four years ago. It's about responsible management and responsible growth. I know that's very, very broad, but I don't want to focus on one thing and let all the others go to the wayside, right? We've got best-in-class services. We've got awesome police. We've got awesome sanitation. We need to make sure that we're maintaining those. We need to make sure we're being financially responsible. We need to make sure that we're maintaining our parks and growing our recreational opportunities. So it's all of that stuff that we're doing well. I think we're on a great traje trajectory, excuse me, and we need to follow that path. And affordable housing and housing affordability is you know, a newer part of that conversation. It's an equally important one, uh, but I don't want to say that we need to neglect all the others to focus on that. Let's, let's go a little bit deeper into mm -hmm. that question, though. What do you see? All right. So regardless of whether you get elected or not, what do you see as the vision for the future of Shambly? Where should we, I, you, everything you said I agree with, but give us something that's a little bit bigger, you know, your vision on what Shambly should be in the future. My vision is that we should continue to be the best city to live in in the metro area uh, and, and really keep down the path we're doing. You know, it's, it's focusing on the way people interact with the community, the way people interact with each other and all the things that surround that. You know, if you're talking about how you get there and the basic blocking and tackling, we can talk about the hundred ways to get there, but it's, you know, it's not being car-centric, it's being walkable, it's having facilities and programs for folks to go uh, out there and get active. And, I, I don't mean to interrupt, mm -hmm. so I want to focus in, and we're going a little bit off, off question here. You mentioned the word walkability, and I, you know, we hear that live, work, play, and the walkability city and all that, but, you know... I've lived in Georgia my whole life, and people are tied to their cars. And I know this goes back to the original question a while ago about transportation. How do you make a city walkable when you've got such a car-centric uh, city like Atlanta, and you are spread out? I mean, let's be honest. If I go to the Chick-fil-A at Chambly, uh, um, Chambly Plaza, 
and I have to go to the Office Depot, which is just one block away, am I walking to the Office Depot or am I getting in my car and driving from Chick-fil-A to the Office Depot? What do you think I'm doing? Oh, I know you well enough to know you're driving. <laughs> All right. So how do we how do we make that? Since you brought up walkability as, as what you want your vision it's, to be, how do we make it walkable? It's walkable nodes. I mean, you're never going to have an entire city where folks are going left and you know left and right and walking everywhere they go but if you can get people to an area and give them places to walk um, and things to do where they don't need a car and where it's more convenient to walk than a car then people are going to walk and they're going to be out there and you're going to get that vibrant street life and interaction that's so great um, i have the benefit of early in my career i worked for a master plan community developer out in arizona and in a city about the size of Chambly, we had 20 miles of bike pad trails, and we had a safari trail, and we had 19 pocket parks and all, all sorts of cool stuff. Now it's different, right, because you're starting with raw land. But you've got to get those key corridors that kind of facilitate transportation between the nodes and those little spots on the way that break it up, the pocket parks that breaks it up, right, as you're walking from Chambly Plaza to Office Depot is probably not the best example, but as you're walking, you know, from to go back a little bit from Huntley Hills to Chambly Plaza, where there's somewhere to be, right? Having sure. that pocket park in the middle, having that little bench where folks can rest, and just making sure that it's convenient. You know, having the trees and the shade so that it's sunny, having a barrier between, as you get to a road like Peachtree Boulevard, having a, ba a barrier between the vehicles and the people so that you feel safe. Uh, there's there's a lot to it. Well, let's, uh, we're, we're pretty much almost at the end of time here and I want to give you the opportunity to uh, finalize this interview with your uh, to express your listeners you know the people who listen to this what your what you I'm really fumbling with this question here but um, why you want to be their representative for city council I want to be their voice I love everything we're seeing I love what we're doing and I love being able to get out there and get out into the community and speak with folks and translate that to the things we're doing and have those conversations the easy ones and the fun ones and the pat on the back and you know the difficult conversations like affordable housing um, and housing affordability so four years one ago when I ran one of the things I said I think it was on my last mail it was that I promised to be your councilman all the time and not just before an election and I think I've been out there in the communities and chatting. I'll be the first to tell you I don't do social media all that well. Um, but just to, to keep doing that and making sure that, you know, I've got a feeling, a good feeling for the pulse of the community and what we're doing and being able to bring that to council. Um, and at the same time, utilizing my background and skill set to make sure that we're making responsible decisions, um, be it on the finance side or on the development side, both of which I've got experience in. Is there, to finalize everything, is there a website that people should go to find out more about you? Or what, where do you want to send people once they're done listening to this? I would give everyone my cell phone number. I'll put it out right here. Yeah, it's, go for it. I love that. 520-241-8473. I might have been talking in the middle of that. Start that over. Five I, what? It's 520-241-8473. I know it's not a local one. I was about to say, what's up with that? <laughs> you know what? I've had it for 20 years. Everyone has it. Everyone has free long distance now. Oh, I've yeah. got a local one too that forwards to it, but that's the that's the direct one there. I do have a website. It's votedarren.com. V-O-T-E-D-A-R-R-O-N.com, but it's woefully out of date. I'm working on updating it right now. Okay. Um, so I would say call me anytime. I'm always here. Well, Darren, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, good luck in November. We'll be watching very closely to see what the results are. And thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime.